Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Very rare occasion. Get honestly more than one single person inside NBC Sports' headquarters that is affiliated to Roto World content. And today I have three others. We'll go around the room. I'm so glad you all are here in your presence. Patrick Doherty, hello. How are you, Josh? And I think it's kind of weird that you're pretending we're in the same room today. Um, <laughs> no, we actually are. Someone make a train sound, <laughs> yeah, and it'll act like you know. It's That's back how people are going to know this is legit. There's not a five trains rumbling by uh, during the course of the podcast. So the worst. I just had that Easton Stick interview. I had to tell him to stop talking for two minutes because a train was passing by. So that's great. Whenever you're interviewing a prospect who's on the move, be like, hey, actually, stop talking for two minutes so a train can pass. <laughs> I asked to do this in Josh's house so we could have the, all experience the train live. Well, the reason I couldn't do it in my house, Rich, is because I don't own a house. Uh, it's 800 square feet, fourth floor walk-up, uh, 20 yards away from the train station. Connecticut real estate is very cheap. You have no excuse. Right. Uh, that is Rich Rebar. He's been on the show plenty of times. The man who has not, though, Mr. Beard, Shaved head, the beautiful, handsome John I Daigle. I love how everyone acts as if the shaved head is a choice. Like this is this is if it was a choice, it happened when I was nineteen and wore a lot of hats during college because I legitimately had no choice. Either that, or I go the Jason Witten route and get hair plugs and just don't tell him. Well, well Brian well, Urlacher too. Uh, or Urlacher's hair is beautiful now. Well, it's all Brian, fake. I know that. No offense, Brian. If Brian, you listen. Uh, way to way to turn your life around. You know, Carlos Boozer had the shoe polish. That was yeah. right. the most standout notable. I so, saw a dude in the Premier League last week that had like red shoe polish on his head. I'd have to like someone Google much. that. Yeah, this is a Q and A episode because you know this is what we should do when all four of us are together and just to put out some content. Hopefully, y'all enjoy it. Again, send us questions if you do, um, either in the review section of the podcast. Or just hit us up on Twitter. Daigle, since it is q and I just do want to hear more about the head situation. Because this is a street I will eventually have to go down, okay? And there are plenty of people, because I work in the newsroom here at NBC Sports, that I've already told, hey, one day, if you think I need to shave my head, tell me. Because it's not something that you can kind of like look in the mirror and realize – because you're kind of – you know, you're caught up in yourself a little bit. You don't know when the point of no return is. When was that point of no return for you to be like, okay, it's better off without? Although I am somewhat shorter, I guess, 5'10", I like to say, even though it's probably closer to 5'8". I play basketball. The inverse Kyler Murray. (laughs) Yeah. I played basketball in high school and I wore a headband, but it looked more like a halo because the bald spot (laughs) – 
even when I was 16, Man, like the bald spot was so bad. And so that's why, like I said earlier, through college, I wore ball caps. And I believe that's been on an episode of Mythbusters. Like wearing actually a baseball hat doesn't take – doesn't add to the balding. Have you heard this thing? I have heard that theory. That, like we yeah, think it does, yeah. but I don't think it actually does. I just thought you were covering it up. No, so that's what I was doing, but also apparently you bald more if you wear more Becomes like a runaway greenhouse yes. effect. Daigle, uh, honest, no. honest answer, do I need to shave my head now? No. No. Because okay. you're – okay, so we have to be really open with each other. And <laughs> that's why I'm asking. I'm asking you all to be open. So the th- you're thinning on the sides. I love oh, you, Norris. Oh, yeah. Then you go to the side. But it's not actually not that bad. You still got a little wave going on in the front. Well, what it is, wave and is we don't need to go into wave this more often crazy. than anything, but it looks like I have the state of Florida on my head. So it's just like this peninsula on my forehead, and everything else <laughs> is just back. I will so say it's this. kind of just, yeah, be honest. Be no, critical. Is, that, so Evaluate my hair. Co- so one, <laughs> it comes down to the shape of your head. I don't know. Mine is awful. Uh, then you're probably going to fail at being bald, man. Just <laughs> well, and just I don't think I can pull off like the completely Mister Clean look that you have. It's well, I shaved my head this morning in the hotel room. Yeah. So also my head is super shiny right now, okay. and it's definitely like even more so under these lights in the yeah. studio. One, it's going to happen, and two, I'm not trying to prevent it. Like I'm not out here unless they want to sponsor the podcast, going and trying to do these hair products because one, if you start them and you stop them, then that's even worse. And two, like it's just the world telling me at some point I need to shave my head. Like I wasn't meant to have this. Beautiful beautiful head of hair like Mike Florio, right? Like by the time I'm 32, it's going to be all gone. I literally dream. You're not 32? No, I'm 30. Oh. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I literally dream you. of Jim Halpert like waving my head through the wind, but it's never going to happen. Okay. I compensate via eyebrows and beard. The one thing really quick though, I will say the advantage is, and no one thinks about this part, I don't buy shampoo. Right. I use body wash on my head. That is a yeah. key advantage it's to a being life bald. hack. Yes. What, what about for the beard now? Do you use I shampoo ha- for the beard? Okay, so I wasn't going to say that because then I just – the cost goes into shampoo and conditioner yes. for my beard, So which everyone can now see on Twitter. Uh, it used to just be it's beautiful. the mole man from Arrested you, Development. You were saying before the po- – you condition your beard five to six times a day, right? No, I did not six- say that <laughs> ever. I thought you were serious there for a second, Pat. <laughs> Never said that, no. Uh, anyways, you can tell that this isn't a typical episode of the podcast. Again, send us <laughs> your tell. Q&A questions. Uh, we're going to kind of go football, then not, football, then not. You enjoyed the last one with Ray, so why not just include a few more of our beautiful friends? Uh, okay, we'll start with the football question. Are the Browns a top three team in the AFC? This comes from Jeremy from Jamestown. I've actually been pondering this a lot since the Odell Beckham trade, since the whole Browns offseason, and I will admit to being a bit seduced by the Browns offseason. You know how it goes every year. There's even like amongst smart fantasy analysts, like we know like you don't win the offseason usually, but like, you know, the Browns have clearly won the offseason and every year it's I kind of buy into a team and I'm so the question of, of the Browns the third best team in the So AFC. the first two Patriots and Chiefs. Patriots and Chiefs. In some yes. order. So you're what you're really asking are are the Browns clearly better than the Chargers are they clearly better than the Colts and I wouldn't say they're clearly better than either of those two teams but on a kind of like a gut level which is a you know that's where all good analysts uh, analysis begins is the gut numbers are just, just stupid <laughs> um, yeah uh, I think the Browns to me they sort of feel like the third best like, I because th- basically I think Baker Mayfield is already like a full-blown superstar yeah so it's not even necessarily about them quote-unquote winning the offseason but it's a Baker Mayfield's a full-blown superstar has an, now an amazing supporting cast and you know the Browns defense is uh, clearly going to be a good defense so I, I 
I can't. I don't think you can clearly say they're the third best team, but I think they're very, very much in the it, In some ways, it's kind of extrapolating what the 49ers, how they finished 2017 and then going into 2018. But then obviously the Jimmy Garoppolo injury kind of tanked that entire momentum. Reeves, what do the Browns have to do to take that next step to really be a playoff team? Because I know, again, in the second half when Baker really did take over, they were a solid team. But were they even close to contention with the Patriots and the Chiefs, which is what the question from Jeremy is asking? No, because we saw them play the Chiefs and get run out of their home field. Right. So, so what <laughs> steps do they have to do to, to get to that point? Yeah, I think it mostly starts defensively. And, you know, they, a lot of things that of getting Odell Beckham signed trade is overshadowed uh, is how much they've improved. The Sheldon Richardson signing was so good. That defensive line, the defensive front is so good now. And you think of the rotation they can roll out, you know, with Miles Garrett and Richardson and Obi-Wan Ganjobi and, you know, Ger- Gerald Avery. It's so good. I think they've got some issues at linebacker, um, you know, especially, you know, edge rushing off the linebacker, linebacker spot. You know, Jamie Collins is a big bust uh, there in, in Cleveland. Uh, and then, you know, if Denzel Ward's health, you know, he's a guy that's going to be able to play football. You know, is, is he going to have this recurring concussion problem, you know, like last year? Uh, I would say that both of his concussions were pretty, you know, foolish on his part, especially the one on C.J. Uzoma where he tried to take C.J. Uzoma on down yeah. the sideline for no reason, you know. Um, but that's it. It's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. I think on paper, it's, I mean, it's the Madden dream offense. I mean, you've got hyper-athletic guys everywhere. Um, you've got Jarvis Landry, who outproduced Odell Beckham the last time these two guys were on the same football field on the same team, you know, at LSU. You've got David Njoku, like our favorite freak athlete tight end, who the Browns don't use like right. Years and who old. the Browns don't use right. We talked right. about it yesterday uh, in studio, that they asked David Njoku to somehow be in, stand in front of people instead of run by them, uh, which is a mistake. <laughs> uh, you know, they've got Nick Chubb, if Kareem Hunt comes back after eight weeks in plays, whether what they do with Duke Johnson. I mean, it's, it's a dream offense. Even I mean, Demetrius Harris is like a good backup. And I I would say the only other issue is what what we're going to get out of you know Austin Corbett having to having to start and rely on full time. So you've got Greg Robinson and Austin Corbett are probably the two questions for how sure. they play uh, because Zietler was so good and the interior of that offensive line was so good last year and Corbett was a guy who barely could touch the field. To kind of peel back the curtain here a little bit, Reeves came in early yesterday. I had a full day of work. And Reeves kind of just is a tidal wave and comes in and just completely ruins my afternoon. And instead, energy. instead, we spent the afternoon watching highlights of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, a few other players. And what we determined is that with Odell Beckham out there, instead of your Brashad Perrymans, your Antonio Callaways in certain situations, uh, there's a lot of production to have out there, Mr. Tagle. Yes. So do you want me to answer the Browns or answer that question? <laughs> let's, let's start. Let's basically, start there. basically, take it anywhere in terms so of this I will, conversation. I'll just quickly add on because the thing about going last is that these guys took all the good answers. Uh, I will quickly add on that this team was already going to be resurged. Like even just that's by, a, I'm gonna add, that's such a good point because like, if like the Browns without had done Odell nothing, Beckham, yeah, it almost like still, didn't matter to that yeah. point. They were going to be better. They projected to be much better, uh, and then they traded for arguably the best receiver in the league. Like that's the big deal here with Rashad. Like they. Rejuvenated Brashad Perryman towards the end of the year. Like they made something out of that guy. Baker yeah. made him good again. And then they added essentially the best deep threat in the game. Like it's incredible how much better they were going to be already. So we immediately already think that they do top the Chargers. We think they do top the Ravens. It I is mean, closer I wouldn't than people think. They top the Ravens. I wouldn't say they yes. top the Chargers clearly. Yeah. Chargers I feel like they're in a conversation good. with the, the Chargers and Colts. Yeah. They're probably better than the Colts, I would say. Yeah. Chargers is the one I feel like you can't outright definitively say they're better than the Chargers. From Nick in Nashville, Reeves, we'll go to you. What place – Swing the mic towards you. Would you most – yeah, we only have three microphones among four people. Welcome to a Roto World, part of NBC Sports and Comcast. <laughs> Feel back to curtain for everybody. 
Reeves, what place would you most recommend someone travel to? I think this is a perfect question to go to you, Reeves. I don't know because uh, obviously these guys did a lot more traveling than I did. You know, I have a 14-year-old son, so right. I got put behind the eight ball early on Disney the traveling World? young. No, definitely not Disney World. That's the last place you guys want to go ever. ever. It is just a, a money, it's just a money it. purge, and uh, it's terrible. It's an awful place. Happiest place on earth. No way. Nick in Nashville is in a great spot already. Nashville is a great city. Love that city. I think Chicago. I'm I'm mostly focused on adult cities where me and my wife can get away and have a good adult time. So, I mean, I'm looking at like a Chicago. So, you're talking about Amsterdam. Nashville. Man. I would love Amsterdam. You know, if I've been there, I'm sure I would. You know, what New, what New does Orleans. a good adult time entail? Oh, sleeping. In Chicago. Yeah. Sleeping in, bathrobes, <laughs> breakfast in bed, all that good stuff. Yeah, just, just absolutely doing nothing. That's just, me at 30 years old, unmarried. So, Daigle, what about you? Quick aside to Reeb's point, actually. Actually, we were in Tampa at the fantasy conference together and short, long story short, I ended up getting locked out of my room. Um, and so I stayed with Reeves and his wife in his room. And I can assure you, <laughs> sleep is their way they be adults. Uh, I walked into <laughs> Reeves. Entertainment. I walked into Reeves in boxers with a pizza box in the bed in between them. And they were both just enjoying it. So yeah. this is, you know, he's telling the truth. You know, sometimes when someone paints a picture, it's difficult to see it. <laughs> no, not that not one. Not at all. Not that um, one. I would say. Dave slid right in the middle. This is a serious answer, by the way. Uh, yeah. I would legitimately say the best place, especially for people first starting traveling is Iceland. Um, quietly, secretly, only five hours from Boston, literally right there. Yes, expensive, but they both speak both Nordic and English very well since tourism is a big part of their income. I don't know if anybody knows this, but I'm sure someone does. That's a dumb thing to say. Uh, everything in Iceland is actually domestic. So like KFC, I believe, was the highest bidder, but they did not allow KFC to come in. They have no <laughs> fast food. They grow and they cook everything there. Since it's such a small little island, um, only takes like three days if you rent a car to get around. And it's some of the most beautiful scenery you'll ever see. I would say uh, that and New Zealand are the two most amazing places I've ever seen. Uh, what I always know about Iceland is from D2 Mighty Ducks. Everyone <laughs> Says Greenland is ice, and Iceland is very nice. And it is very nice. Uh, Daigle and I have both been to Russia. Would you say Russia? Uh, Russia is <laughs> quite secretly beautiful, by the no, way. No, I was shocked by how good the food was in Russia. My, My answer, I think, would be, uh, I mean, traveling's the best, of course. Uh, I would say in North America, if you want to split the difference between a North American and European vacation, uh, go to Montreal. Uh, it's very talk about close. It's a very short flight from uh, pretty much anywhere here on the eastern seaboard or the the Middle West. Kind of great blend of Europe and uh, North America, and you know you got a lot of nice brew pubs, uh, yeah. quaint little old medieval ish city center, and uh, kind of just like a city that Americans don't think about very much. That's amazing and very close. If you do go to Europe, the only way to travel is by train. Uh, it's so Correct. easy just to take a first-class ticket on a train, you know, watch your show that you haven't been able to catch up on, free beverages, free food. Take in the scenery. You don't watch a show. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, and buy and, a ticket last minute because that's when they go on sale. There you go. And for me, I love small-town France. I'm actually going there again this summer with my family. Very bougie answer. Uh, and this isn't small town. And it was actually termed to me as the Detroit of France, some place that was once booming and now is we kind of to go there? hoping to revitalize itself. But Marseille, like Marseille is a port city, absolutely beautiful. And something that I learned, and this makes sense, like if you ever read um, a book, I mean, as simple as that is, or know anything about history, you know how. You're saying our audience, if you've ever read a book, most of you probably haven't. If you but, have uh, a brain, you know how. <laughs> young the United States is, right? If you go to Marseille, you walk 
in the same streets, the same area that was developed from 200 BC or 400 AD. It just puts everything to perspective on how new and young um, the United States is. I think that gives everyone a vast array of places to go. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. Just go to Cleveland. <laughs> just go visit. Reed. I did not mind Cleveland. I know a lot of people give Cleveland, you know, yeah, it was nice. You the lake. Fifteen years ago, you liked it then. You like it a lot more now. It's been built up. We've got a great comedy scene, and the food scene has really improved. I went three years ago, and I can testify on this podcast: most underrated city in America, there you Cleveland. Go. I would say every for being great. It is a it is a good downtown. Three days though, three better. days in and out. Don't live there. Every American city like Cleveland. <laughs> be angry about. Every American city like Cleveland and St. Louis has like really improved in the past like 15, 20 years with like the rebirth of like yeah. local food and beer culture. Charlotte's mm-hmm. going crazy with beer culture. I mean, yeah. Charlotte is. Yeah. Unbelievable in the last five years, but that's not for me. That's why I moved. Uh, Jordan from St. Petersburg, speaking of Russia, but this is not Russia. This is Florida. I'm just assuming, not like I made up where he's from. Uh, Worst fantasy football call, one that still haunts you. Remember this. I remember I did correctly predict once LeGarrette Blount would lead the league in touchdowns, (laughs) but – when I was with fake football, one of the first drafts I covered was the 2014 draft, and I literally wrote the words in an article that Albert Wilson would be an arbitrage on Odell Beckham. <laughs> nice. Was this KC Albert Wilson or Miami Albert Wilson? It was coming out of the Sun Valley, uh, Albert Wilson. Oh, no. It's in the draft process. Oh! That you can get Albert Wilson in the fifth or sixth round, and that's basically what Odell Beckham was going to be. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Interesting. So that one worked out. Well, I remember pretty epically. I, I remember the quote unquote debate on Odell was that he didn't have a lot of touchdowns against SEC competition, which is I was never that far ridiculous. down. It was just you know, yeah, him getting outproduced by Jarvis, Jarvis and well, his, his profile was just kind of iffy, and he was uh, drafted. Well, now we know a lot of that was Zach Mettenberger at quarterback. Yeah, so LSU has <laughs> never squandered an offensive asset, so I was just very. Uh, yeah. Listen, I can't defend the no, take was any kinda, further. Yeah. No, I, it's in. It's good, and, and, we're not, and we're not asking you to. We just want to hear the worst one because obviously ninety percent of them are the best. We just need to hear the worst, uh, Pat. More like forty. Uh, I had kind of blocked this one out. There will be some people that remember this one. Um, But in 2015, I was very adamant that not only would DeMarco Murray not slump after touching the ball 8,000 times in 2014, but that he would once again be the RB1 for his new team, the Chip Kelly Philadelphia Eagles. Didn't we have him as the... We had him, I believe, as the number one running back. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, he started as the RB. Can't quite remember all the particulars of my argument. I mean, he was still young. He had had light usage before 2014 because of the injuries. Um, But it went disastrously wrong, Josh. Uh, His season went off the rails quite early, and uh, it was a really, 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 really bad opinion. Um, yeah, that was player usage, uh, not pairing. You know, everyone thought Chip Kelly would be great, but they just used him on outside runs, and that wasn't. And it was, yeah, and it was also everyone just being right too about like the workload did appear to take a toll uh, almost immediately. It was more about the fit of the offense, yeah. but yeah, it was a uh, bad prediction. Daigle. It exists somewhere on internet.com. I'm not sure <laughs> where, but uh, like coming, iCloud, like com- at iCloud, like your email. Somewhere in the cloud, the vague cloud space of internet.com. Did you say the vape cloud space? Uh, yeah, that too, actually. Um, <laughs> trying to relate to our younger listeners. Coming out of the draft, I did say that Brian Braum would be better than Matt Ryan <laughs> in that very same class. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but turns out one of them – 
was in the Super Bowl. One of them is a franchise quarterback. Yeah. The other is at UPS or somewhere. I'm not well, sure where. So the Brian Brom discussion is an interesting one, though, because as we know, right after taking Aaron Rodgers in round one, the Packers come back and take Brian Brom in round two. There's that notorious Todd McShay clip out there on YouTube mm-hmm. saying that Brian Brom is better than Aaron Rodgers, which you can't fault him for saying that because they weren't taken that far apart. And Aaron Rodgers, right, Aaron Rodgers hadn't even started a game at that point. But it does show you the Packers' somewhat mindset in that regard in that situation like it wasn't as far off as what you're saying they were protecting themselves for sure uh having said that matt ryan is yes better than brian well true True. i was a little bit wrong on that one well at least you admit it now (laughs) i have come to terms with it yes pat this is from brian from boone what is the worst movie you have ever seen i have like five answers for this so go ahead yeah i've got a lot the worst movie i've seen recently the worst movie that was supposed to be good was widows um what who, who does widows entail do you not know about widows no it's a steve mcqueen movie it was a steve mcqueen movie's follow-up to tw- 12 years a slave which okay. you know a new part of the new modern canon it was an instant classic but uh the widows just very it's a sequel it's a direct sequel it was very is it yeah. really <laughs> no it is not oh very incoherent film. It was trying to say some big thing. It started out really well, but uh, really goes off the rails. But definitely the worst movie I've ever seen. And I guess, see, when people have this discussion, you shouldn't talk about movies that are like The Room or whatever. You, Correct. It needs to be about movies that like had expectations. Yeah. Attached. And I'm not sure how how high uh, expectations this movie really had, but the worst movie I've ever seen by far is Al Pacino's 88 Minutes. Okay. Um, he gets called like at the beginning. I can't quite remember the particulars of the the film, but he's a detective. He's like a Al Pacino, and a huge reach for him was playing like a grizzled police detective. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, he gets called uh, like with some mysterious call. He has 88 minutes to live, and he has like figured out or something. Interesting. And, uh, uh, spoil, he he lives, um, but uh, yeah. he does. He does make it. He makes it to the end of the movie. But uh, yeah, you should look it up for uh, some L A F F S. Al Pacino has a lot of movies. I think you could put in there. Yeah, he's you know, yeah. We need like Jack the Al Pacino Jill, wing. Uh, Jack and Jillies and Geely. Uh, there's a lot, of, <laughs> lot of opportunities here. The correct real answer is Forrest Gump, which is just mel- melodramatic wow. goop. Um, wow, it's, go, it's, go into which has an age. Now, I, I've done this take before in a podcast. I was going to say that Josh in our Slack recently dropped in a movie that I've actually watched. Um, it's a Gary Oldman movie with Matthew McConaughey, Peter Dinklage. Uh, it's Kate Beckinsale's in it. Uh, it's oh, called yes. Tiptoes. It is an absolute <laughs> atrocity of a film. Like it's So basically, Gary Oldman plays a dwarf, and his brother, what? Matthew McConaughey, um, and, and I believe it's Kate Beckinsale. I mean, it is. And, and she, she gets pregnant, and they're worried that their baby's going to have dwarfism. But then she starts falling in love with Gary Oldman. Now, keep in mind that Dinklage in this movie is, t- is in this too, but Gary Oldman's the one that plays the dwarf. So he's uh, walking around on his knees the entire yeah, so film. He, he walks, he and Peter Dinklage the movie. plays a normal sized person? No, he does. It's like he's part of the family that has. So all the other families dwarf ex- dwarfs except for McConaughey. So if the director was really going for it, they would have had Peter Dinklage play a normal sized person. But Oldman, Gary Oldman. Oldman does all his scenes on his knees and like walks around. <laughs> it's just. Does it Gary Oldman have Oldman. the biggest. Really shocked biggest, that didn't work out. Other than Al Pacino, the biggest difference between like awful roles yeah. and fantastic roles. Easily. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is this was be before the reconnaissance, I believe. <laughs> oh, easily. The yeah. reconnaissance was a scam, by the way. It lasted uh, like 18 months. Well, I mean, he's kind of carried on with it now. Not really. Okay. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> but but I, I saw that Tiptoes trailer just pop up in my feed, and I was like, I cannot believe that this is an actual film. I got to look this And up. you've actually seen it. Yes. 
Okay. Okay, so Orange County, I thought Jack Black was going to be funny. He was not. Did anyone even see Orange County besides me? It had a somewhat famous alternative rock soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack was more famous than the movie itself. <laughs> For a good reason, yeah. by the way. Um, grown-ups, but I don't know if you should put any weight behind if no. it was going to be no. good. No. Okay, so it's terrible. Uh, yeah, Adam Sandler always tries in his movies. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Think about enough people saw grown-ups that they made another one. <laughs> That's a terrific point, actually. Um, Suicide Squad was the most recent one that was critically acclaimed bad, and it was, in fact, critically acclaimed bad. Like, it was terrible. <laughs> okay. uh, but I would say I've only walked out of one movie in my entire lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the good stuff. I don't know if it's been built up, though. It's a long time ago. I don't know if it was supposed to be big. Uh, do you know George Clooney's Michael Clayton? Yes, I actually oh, watched yeah. it. It was nominated for Best Picture. I, was, I walked out. It was really so, bad. There's, there's a thing that goes through your head before you walk out of a film and you ask yourself, does the end of this matter? Does the conclusion yeah. matter at all or can I go on through life? Yeah. And I literally thought, no, I'd rather have a hot dog from the venue – from like outside yeah. and just walk the hell out. And that's what there, that, I watched that movie actually somewhat recently, a couple of months ago for the first time. And it's because it was on Amazon Prime, it's not like I insurance believe. Okay, so maybe it holds up then. I don't, no, no, it doesn't. Okay, good. Because good. it was termed as a thriller. And if I, I just see a good actor that was critically acclaimed and has thriller, I'll watch it. Is Clive and, Owen in that? No, um, I don't know. The final 30 seconds is the only that. payoff. And there's no even real payoff. And you don't know because you haven't seen it. <laughs> no. But it was, it was absolutely out. atrocious. <laughs> um, I have two for you. And they have one actor in common. Uh, the first is Alexander. And, oh, yeah, Colin Farrell. Right. Oh, that was Oliver bad. Stone. And and it, it came somewhat close enough to, like, Gladiator, where you think, okay, the, this is going to be a Gladiator-like film. And it was horrific. No. Yes. It Colin was Farrell's awful. blonde hair in there, right? And then the and Angelina Jolie <laughs> that's is your in one it. one note you remember. <laughs> and I, an uncut version that's, like, 12 hours. I, and I don't remember. I, well, imagine. I, I don't want to watch 12 You know, that minutes. one's got to be a masterpiece. And then the other movie was Miami Vice, Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. <laughs> disappointing. Very disappointing. Awful. Yeah, hey. you know, he doesn't remember doing that movie at all, Colin Farrell, right? He's openly talked about, like, he was just, like on such, like, a, he was on such a cocaine bender at that period. He has no recollection of filming that movie. He's openly talked about it. Now, you just, you am I allowed to say that I, I wish I was doing the same so I don't remember that film? Because I believe half of it was just spent in silence on a speedboat going through... <laughs> An ocean. Like, Colin Farrell horrific. Also has recovered. I was just saying, you brought up. I have not from you, watching that you film. Brought up, you brought up the reconnaissance scam. Uh, Colin Farrell wasn't Widows, but Colin Farrell's had like a legit renaissance. So, yes. Uh, yeah. I probably should not recommend this on like a family podcast, but yeah, check out <laughs> The Killing of a Sacred Deer. It is, uh, yeah, it's messed up. And okay. his singing, very good in Crazy Heart. <laughs> yeah. Like, very good. The only redeeming part of True Detective Season 2. <laughs> Moving back to football, uh, John Daigle. Pick one non quarterback. You would start your team with. This is from Rich from Cleveland. Why do I have to go first? <laughs> Say Lamar Jackson. Um, well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. I'm going to actually pass the mic. That is messed up. To you. Yeah. Um, so you can have that one. Uh, honestly, my answer to this is usually Odell Beckham. Okay. <laughs> He's been hurt, though, enough in the past few years that maybe it's gotten to be a bit risky. But Odell Beckham's probably still my favorite. So why, why wide receiver over any other position? This, be, I, this is just about the player, not the position. I think Odell Beckham is one of the most freaky talents who's you ever— You have Albert Wilson later. <laughs> Odell Beckham's like one of the most freaky talents who's ever like stepped on— Just an, don't play SEC teams. Yeah. He's just—I'd he, rather have one of the most freaky like uh, playmaking talents ever in the NFL over like Aaron Donald or something, who really impacts the game, but— I would pick Aaron Donald. I mean, I would, it's a simple answer. Odell Beckham's yeah, like I think I one of the most freakish athletes to ever— 
like put on a uniform sure. in American sports history. So I would sure. say Odell Beckham. Yeah, I would I would say Aaron Donald, uh, just because you know the game is predicated on either being able to throw the ball or stop the pass, and having a guy that can get interior pressure. Wait, Odell Beckham can throw it to himself, man. That's true. Yeah. He could have. <laughs> yeah. We we could have used him too. Well, he threw two touchdowns last year. Exactly. So. Yeah. Hey, it, you know that's the answer actually. Eli Manning is the one non quarterback. <laughs> Playing quarterback. Eli Manning, a pensioner, uh, starting a quarterback for the New York Giants. All right. We will close out with this question is from Matt Waldman. Matt Waldman, we love you. If the four of you found yourselves in a biker bar, which one of you would be the most likely to, let's first say, get in a fight? I'll nominate someone. The nomination is John Daigle. See, this is not fair. No. I... I look like a fighter. I understand that. The no, beard and whatever. You didn't even let me okay, like, back okay. up my answer okay, here. Good, good. The reason being, one, the shaved head. Two, <laughs> yeah. two, it is that you could get too friendly with someone, I believe, and maybe <laughs> invade their personal space I actually love just a little you bit. Already know me, yeah, yeah, and and very true. But it, it would be like too friendly, overly sure. friendly, and not no malicious intent behind it but i could see you know someone who is just a jerk taking that the incorrect way no this is actually kind of scary that you've already pinpointed in my life has this happened to you before in your life i'm a i'm a fan of airport bars let's just put it that <laughs> i get along with people very well you and dmx okay next <laughs> so we have that one next is run the jukebox uh this would not be me i would probably say it's pat it would. I would be me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, what would be the first song at a bar that you insert your credit card now into? I'm assuming, and is the first song in the playlist. Well, it have to be like a current. So, uh, no, it doesn't have to be a current. Like song. An all time banger. Yeah. Um, if you want to say banger. Man, I don't know. Actually, it's Sister Christian. Uh, no, God, no, God, <laughs> no. So the move. Um, the move is I always go in and I immediately just play. Enrique Iglesias by Lamos <laughs> because I like to let the rhythm take me over. By Lamos. Um, I don't know what my go-to jukebox, like, we're going to start burning this house down banger would be. These other two aren't, I don't think, great fits, maybe even great questions, but we'll go through them. Uh, get get a ride in the back seat by a biker chick. Uh, I'll nominate myself. <laughs> I, I mean, just to be perfectly honest, because um, – Silence. I, that was an agreement in silence, I'm assuming. And that's because, one, I am also too nice, and two – uh, I am too trustworthy in those scenarios, and especially if she is an attractive biker lady, then sure, she can take me home. This would also entail you being bike. out with us, though. Uh, she she would have to <laughs> pick a wine you bar. up. A she wine would have bar. to pick you up from the studios and then bring you home. I just assume that's the scenario here. <laughs> Finally, it is get invited on a poker run. Reeves, you have any poker background in you? Uh, I think Daigle has a little more than I do. but I would be literally stunned if you don't have any poker in No, your I mean, I, I do, but Daigle has more. I mean, um, I, I obviously played a little bit. I wasn't really on the internet poker boom, so I, th- I would say it would be Daigle, not me. I was on the poker boom, yes. That's my background. Uh, I played professionally for a little bit. Grinding oh. cash tables, nothing sexy. Like, not wearing suits and playing yes. high-stakes tournaments. Yeah. Um, nothing Casino Royale-like. Yeah, it's more like a the player news writer actually correlates to grinding cash tables because it's just grueling off like season long you grind through with like four tables at once that's pretty much it yeah uh and then i I lived in australia and played there as well so i did not know you lived in australia dagle unveils like a new like (laughs) radical life one one peel of one layer of the onion that we will unpeel more as we do these other podcasts like i don't know if any any, anyone else in the room ever worked for the chilean government in antarctica because i did for two years (laughs) uh, i pop in slack every 
so often and I'll say something. It's like, oh, yeah, I've been there. I ate with this person. They're like, Daigle, what the hell do you do? Anyways. Anybody we'll leave, ever been to the Faroe Islands? We'll leave that for, for next time. Uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. I know you came just to Stanford, Connecticut, just for this podcast, so I appreciate it. Um, everyone out there, if you enjoyed the episode, leave us a ring review. Hit that subscribe button. Really, really do appreciate it. Talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.